Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Okay, Ashton and I are back. Part two. This is a big one. We're rethinking consent. Dun, 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 dun. Ashton's favorite topic. My so, favorite topic. Too, I just feel way less clear about it than you do. So this is going to be good for me. Um, we're not just going to talk about uh, kids and teens, but that's kind of the primary piece. Mm-hmm. So um, I struggled to be able to, we did a, a, a series very early on in this podcast called Kids And, and then we did Kids and Racism, Kids and all topics of really important heavy conversations. Mm-hmm. And one of them was around consent. I focused more on the, the again, the gradual, slow, warm conversation, the places we can test things out and ask things of our parents, of safe, askable adults. And mm-hmm. and I, I get the safety piece and the comfort piece, but I struggled to be able to define it. I was like, oh man, I really wish mm-hmm. I could just like say what consent is. And I couldn't come up with it. Can you can tell <laughs> if you have a definition? I'd like to start there. One hundred percent. I always I always say consent is clear. It's coherent. It is willing. It is ongoing, and it's specific. Um, mm-hmm. Consent creates respect, empowerment, comfort, uh, and boundaries. It's so it's really important in that regard that it's not an absence of no. And that's that's when it becomes broader. So that that's how I would not describe it. Not an absence it. of no. It's not. It is an enthusiastic yes. It's not a maybe. It's not um, sure with awkward body language. It is both verbal uh, and physical. It is all forms of communication. It needs to be an enthusiastic yes. When I was a kid, we did no means no. And I, I'm sure lots of our listeners know about yep. no means no. Yes. Um, and no means no, I I do, I like it. I love the concept, but I would really love yeah. to shift it to, I need an enthusiastic yes. It's not yeah. just an absence of no. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have an enthusiastic yes about that. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's option. Okay. Yeah. Safety, yeah. respect empowerment, comfort, boundaries. It's not just the absence of no. It's not just the absence of no. I think, um, and what makes it really interesting is it in, in the most basic form, it is providing the opportunity to express yes or no. Um, but physical boundaries will also lend us to an understanding of, um, practical and emotional, uh, boundaries. And I say this to everyone, we wish we were better at them. Um, so when we are talking about consent and we are talking about it in the context of sexual health and, and education, it's not just about, um, good or bad touch. It is also about consent around relationships. It is about, uh, consent around our own identities. It is consent in a lot of different areas. So while we start young, a good place to start doing that is with, with physical touch is a great place to start with young children around consent. It does definitely uh, transform as the time goes on to be able to understand that in, in the other areas of our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh. The backdrop to that, like when you're talking about that, I think about that also requires in our culture, in our society, a, the permission to know what we want and what we don't want mm-hmm. from an internal place. Yeah. Right. Not, not other people telling us what we should and should not receive pleasure from or experience or what's safe or what we, we do have to be able to tap that and feel legitimate Mm -hmm. for tapping into that and be able to then communicate that. This is also communication skills, right? Like I think about my kids and do they have the equipment, the um, social emotional equipment to be able to a really know what they want and don't want and B, can they really assert that? Do they yeah. have the language to say that confidently mm-hmm. to actually set the boundary and not leave it to somebody else to guess? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, the absence 100%. of the no. Yeah. yeah. And consent takes practice. So yeah. um, we really do. And there's this, there's this great quote by Mr. Rogers that's, um, you know, attitudes are, are caught, not taught. Um, and there's so much, um, I, I do, I love that so much. There's so much so power good. to, um, to practicing. We don't want to be in a more risky or a more unsafe situation to start practicing, yeah. to start yeah. practicing. No. Yeah. Um, so it, it does, we, we touched on this a little bit, um, earlier in the sense that when we were quite young, I call them the littles. So I always love to refer to them like zero to five, yeah. um, yeah. as our littles, um, but it starts so early that um, we need to be their advocate as well. So in a time where they're not able to have verbal communication, the ways we can start to talk about consent are, are for our family, like um, asking someone to, to not touch our, our baby, um, to, not ask, to, to ask to not touch our child, uh, because consent is really important in our family. Um, for younger children to start to hear and to see that, um, really lays a good groundwork. And then yeah. as the children do um, have more verbal ability and they can communicate more, um, there's some need to, not even some, I'm taking that back, Karen, there's definite need. There's a lot of need to allow for autonomy. So having conversations even with family or caregivers about touch, you know, do you want to give me a hug? Do you know, can I get a high five? It's, it's really allowing the child to decide if that feels good for them and it's not relationally bound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it, it feels very obvious, but I don't know if we notice how infrequent we do that. Absolutely. Um, and, and it is just asking. Yeah. So asking my, yeah. my littles, my friends in the, my little friends in my life to yeah. say, you know, could I give you a hug right now? Um, no. Okay. That's all right. What about a high five? Um, is very, very empowering. Um, and very important in keeping, keeping our kids safe. It's also going to model for them, the interactions that they have with their peers. And so they do start to do that young. And so having those kinds of conversations helps us to set it up. Like, um, let's ask Alex before he'd like a hug because kids are curious and kids, mm-hmm. um, when they are interacting with each other, they're figuring that part out as well. So it's important to help and remind them that they should also yeah. be asking. Um, yeah, that they should also be asking. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, my, uh, youngest who's 
our personality is very boisterous, mm-hmm. super social, super, she loves people being close to her. And so of course, then from her world as a kid, thinks everybody feels that way. Yeah. And so, and she's strong. She's a good foot above the rest of her peers. And so she thinks it's endearing to pick people up when they, when she hugs them. So she'll pick up her friends in kindergarten. She carried other kindergartners around on her hip, like babies sometimes to get the, cause this was fun. And, oh, and I remember having this on repeat, like we should ask first, do they mm-hmm. like to be picked up? Do they? Mm-hmm. Right. And that was one of those examples that was really in our face, but it, I, I think you're right. It's these micro moments yeah. of, are we asking people, are we acknowledging everybody's right at every age to own their own comfort level and their own space and their mm-hmm. own body experience? And, mm-hmm. and then how do we help advocate and facilitate that, not just for our kids, but as a community, how do we teach our kids to also respect that in other people? And mm-hmm. it isn't, doesn't get, dis- it doesn't discriminate, right? Like, we can't say, well, you have to do everything I say physically in mm-hmm. interaction with me, but don't do that with uncle so-and-so and don't do like when we say that it's confusing for kids because it doesn't give them the right to look inward about what they want. It's, yes. it's a scripted rule of, and then a new person shows up and now I don't know what the rules are for that person. Oh yeah. And I have like my head's right? going in so many places as you say that, yeah. um, a hundred percent because there, so to, to do some examples of like modeling of, you know, when you are the parent and it is your responsibility, it is your mm-hmm. responsibility to say help with, um, talking about the littles potty training, um, and yep. that the importance of having an askable adult that, um, it might from time to time, there are going to be adults who need to help you, um, while you're going to the bathroom as a bodily function, who are going to touch your genitals, you need to be able to provide that consent. Like yeah. we as parents then say, um, can I, can I help you with that? May I help you, you know, use the restroom. Yeah. May I help you is a very good leading way into consent mm-hmm. because maybe they have it. And part of that is also allowing them an opportunity, um, to try themselves, to see where it goes, but to have that conversation back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, a most common example is that's what it makes me think of. But the one thing I wanted to go back and touch on, which was so lovely of how you said it was talking about how your daughter, it felt that that was a love language for her and that she likes it that way. The, the benefit of having that consent and her knowing what she also likes provides her the chance to not just ask for consent, but also know when it is something that she likes and how she can express that to others so that she will then be receiving the kind of attention and affection that she likes explicitly before having to be asked. And so there's something to be said about saying, um, when I pick people up, um, it makes me feel really special and it's because I like you. Um, Can I pick you up? Yeah. Expressing intention. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so I think it's really lovely that you're able to draw that importance um, back to it. Mm. Um, It does change as kids get older, of course, Mm. Um, you know, from middle childhood, I guess like six to, you know, maybe 11. um, We still don't talk about sexual consent um, expressly. You know, we wouldn't talk about the concept of sexual harassment. Um, it is more focused just on boundaries. 
Um, so it might, once they're sort of at this age, the ways in which we can look for consent are, you know, do you have permission to share something with someone who has told you a secret? Or do you have permission to share something that someone told you in secret? Um, and starting to understand what boundaries look like and how they how they come up. Um, it's also really important at this age that they start to learn um, not just verbal, but they start to see physical. So what is a okay. physical expression of, of yes? And so in that sort of age demographic, it would be good to point out if you see someone um, maybe providing consent, but their body language says no, and having an opportunity to have a conversation around that. Um, sometimes that would be asking a question that's like, you seem unsure. Um, I don't want to do something that you're not comfortable with. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? And that is in the context of not not sexual um, yeah. education. That is in the context yeah. of of anything, just so okay. that we understand, you know, comfort, because that's really what consent is about. Okay. Um, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It gets a little bit trickier. Oh my Once you have young yeah, teens, because now I'm yeah. I, well. That's what I was. My head's going there. I'm like, oh geez, okay. We're not we're not even in the real heavy hitting stage here. Okay, yeah. teens, talk to me yeah. about teens. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when we have that chance to model consent and, and to model it leading up to this, it, it certainly makes it a little less tricky. Okay. Um, it, it does make it a little less tricky, but what makes it sticky is the topic. So once kids are reaching the age of puberty, um, the curiosity around sex peaks, um, they want to know about attraction. They want to talk about physical touch. That's all starting to come, um, to come up for them because of puberty. Um, hormones do incredible things and we need to, you know, embrace their exploration, um, around that. And, so I think once kids hit preteens, it's good to be talking a little bit more about consent around around touch, um, around maybe identity is another thing about how you're showing okay. affection, how you're going to show affection yeah. to another person. Um, and so that might look like something like, may I give you a compliment about, about your haircut? Um, to not just be making um, observations to someone, assuming that they would like that attention. Um, right. We do know developmentally for... Um, for kids at this age, it, that kind of attention shows up differently for um, folks that identify as girls and folks that identify as boys. So as they're developing, um, we do know that puberty, early puberty and attention um, for girls can have quite an impact on their overall well-being and their sense of self and their sense of identity um, in a way that differs from boys. Um Boys who are developing a little bit earlier um, have a tendency to, I don't even know how to describe this correctly, to, to feel a little bit more comfortable, to be um, a little bit more affirmed um, yes. within their group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to be not concise about how I just described that. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. I was just talking about this with somebody Mm -hmm. uh, in a different talk that we were doing, but about developmental stages mm -hmm. and ages and how that, 
And, and that stood out to me that the mm-hmm. research shows that the experience of boys entering puberty comes with more bravado and confidence yeah. typically because of how our culture has, has endorsed that being like something to embrace and get excited mm-hmm. about and be powerful in. Yes. And for girls, it's a fear-based bodies changing. I can't yes. control it. And they're resistant kind of, it's hard for them to feel like this is something to celebrate when it first happens. Right. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. So those, those comments around, um, around identity or around how we, how we are presenting, um, they do matter. Um, I actually think of myself where this really came up, um, was it as a, we were in a conference and I was getting a cup of coffee and this lovely gentleman said to me, can I pay you a compliment? And I was like, oh, weird. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love I love compliments. Why do you who have to ask me that? Who doesn't Bring want to it. have a compliment? <laughs> and he was like, I, I really love your nail polish color. Like, I really love your nail polish color. Yeah. That's all he said. And I was like, what an interesting thing for him to consent about. And later, um, as I learned about his story and I learned more about him, um, I, I understood that it was a comfort of, I want to make sure this is going to land well. I want to make sure that there's there's not malintent or there's not, that I'm not making you uncomfortable. I've learned in my life that providing, um, providing compliments or just giving this information sometimes makes people uncomfortable. And yeah. while it was such a, a funny thing, that has stuck with me my whole adult life, my whole adult life of, can I pay you a compliment? Or even when providing someone with feedback, you know, can I, can I say something that, can I, can I provide you with something I noticed that you did well, you know, invites the person, whether or not they're in a space to be able to do that. So I love that at this age, we can start to layer in um, identity and how we're showing up in a way that's really, um, that is really respectful um, because we don't know where they are or how they are feeling in respect to that. Um, and then one thing well, I would say to parents. You paid for- that one forward, Ashton, if I can interrupt for a second, because when we sat in the coffee shop talking about what we were going to say in this episode, and you shared that piece with me and the importance and the impact that it had, not a week later, because it was in like late summer, not a week later, I mm-hmm. took my kids to um, like a water slides park, whatever. And I was kind of done halfway. So I was sitting on the sidelines and I was observing these two women interact. And she was this person just stood out to me and she was just stunning. She was stunning in her character and how she related to people and how she just captured my attention. And I thought, you know, we don't pay each other compliments enough. Like I had this urge to like, say like, why can't, I don't like this whole society thing where we can't make eye contact or you can't say anything, but yes, Mm -hmm. I'm having a great day. When somebody says, how are you? I'm good. I, I want people to be more authentic and to be more relational and to be more, just demonstrative. Like, can we just mm-hmm. be community and assume we have best intentions in some ways, right? And yeah. so I was struggling with this on the sidelines. Like, and then I thought Ashton would give me permission. I could <laughs> say, I could say to that person, but I have to be preemptive. And so I did. And I just I sat next to her in the hot tub and I said, Would it be okay if I just give you some feedback because I was observing something and I don't want this to be awkward for you? And she's like, oh, okay. And I yeah, said, sure. are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? I'm like, I don't, this is, I, I, you know, I don't want this to be weird for you. She's like, okay. Yeah. 
And that just, that was enough for her to go from, ooh, to, okay, now I'm curious. Like, now I want to hear what you have to say. And I said, I just find you stunning. I just noticed how you were interacting with your friend and just the way you carry yourself. And I just wanted to reflect that. And then I walked away. And I was like, because then I don't want, great. She's like, thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Right. And I didn't want it drawn out or to be this, like, you don't owe me anything in return. This was not like a trying to make friends here. I just wanted to let you know. And I thought, that felt good. That felt so much better. And you know what I love about it? I, I love so much that you took this and you used it. I don't know if you noticed this, but when I ask people that, they pause for a second. And when I do give them positive, a positive observation or a compliment or something, it gives them time to accept it. It gives them a moment. Receptivity. They're not on guard. Yeah. Yeah. And you can really, you can really accept it. And I've even noticed for myself, for, you know, my friends that do this as well, like, do you have, do you have space right now to talk about this? Or do you, the way in which when we started consenting that way with one another, the love and the connection and the ability for us to come alongside one another changed dramatically because we reset. We became reset yep. and we were present. Um, yeah. and it's so beautiful. I digress. Yeah. I digress. I love that. I love it. I okay, love well, that. I what did a great that I derailed, but okay. Okay. Do you <laughs> know where aside. you were at before I interrupted you with that? Oh goodness. Yeah. I was, I was just okay. going to say that, um, when, when we have young teens, um, and going back to a previous episode of how yeah. I want to give someone, um, give our families a tangible time. Um, a lot of us will watch TV together and TV is, as we know, is fraught with poor examples of diversity, uh, in yep. all levels, um, in yep. how we have, you know, gender dynamics or representation, or that's a whole another yep. episode. Um, but I think what watching TV does provide us with an opportunity to do is to make sure as parents, we're talking about, um, how we perceive it and how we perceive okay. some of these things. So um, there's a lot more nuanced discussion that can be had around, say, sexual consent when we're watching a TV show and it's those small opportune moments to model. Um, it might be saying something like, wow, this is really unrealistic. She said no and he did not respect that. Um, mm. What do you think about that? And just nice. see what happens because we're, we all do know that we're being exposed to this um, and that it happens, but to what degree are we reflecting something that currently happens as opposed to something where we would like society to go? Um, They're not modeling. Oftentimes I I can't even really think of a show off the top of my head that would expressly be good for, you know, modeling. So I do find those, those opportunities when you're watching movies or you're watching TV is just, yeah, yeah, they come up much more naturally because your kids will know, Mm. they will know Mm. if you are interrogating or if you are looking for a question as opposed to you just sincerely being curious. Using what's in front of you. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot easier um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the easier ways to engage, um, yeah. younger teens. Um, it does, of course it changes, um, for older teens for sure. Um, expressly, we do talk about this in comprehensive sexual health, um, education. Okay. So when we go into the classrooms, this is when we're talking about the legal implications of consent. We talk about age, we talk about power dynamics, we talk about digital responsibility, um, we talk about um, sexual consent and alcohol or substance use. We talk about um, 
those very explicit understandings when it comes to sexual harassment or what this might look like. Um, this is going to be things like that Me Too movement. That's going to be yeah. more conversations around uh, age, like I mentioned, power dynamics and, and what that looks like. So they are, it is a lot more nuanced. It is a lot, um, but there's a lot more room for discussion. Like there's a lot of room for discussion around um, some of those topics. So if you're thinking about talking to your kids more expressly about this, because not every school will have comprehensive sexual health mm-hmm. education. Um, yep. I wish we will get to that point, but it's possible um, that they're trying to fit it into the curriculum and gym class just doesn't cover it. If you're yeah. thinking about how to talk about legal implications um, about consent or power dynamics, um, it's this is a real modeling situation and a time to have those really curious, open-ended conversations. What do you know about this? How does this make you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think it's expressly too is, is telling people like you, you cannot provide consent while you are impaired and what that really means for young people who, um, who are going through still a lot of cognitive growth. Like this is, this is still the time, like the adolescent brain is still developing risk taking is a little bit different, our understanding. So really hitting home some of those pieces I think is, is quite important. Um, and the digital aspect is very different. It's very different um, from when you were growing up. It's wildly different from even when I was growing up. I will not disclose my age. However, <laughs> it doesn't. It takes two uh, years for us to be outdated. This I do. Not, it That's does. Why we I, can never keep up. I do not have the ticky talks. I I don't I don't yeah. know. I I barely the ticky talks. I barely story on the Instagrams. Um, yes. But I, I do remember having to have conversations around um, Facebook. Um, at the very beginning of my career um, and the implications of photos being out there or sharing or texting or what that looks like. So digital safety becomes a whole, whole topic all in itself that if you're talking to your kids about that already, slide some of this stuff in because it's, it is incredibly important. Connect the dots for them. Yeah. 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 And uh, it, you can be quite express about explicit, sorry, you could be quite explicit with, um, what this means. So, um, and there's lots of really great resources out there for that. Um, why is consent important? Like it keeps kids safe. So at all of these age demographics, I just, please, please, please parents know that it's so important. It's so important that when our kids do consent well, it keeps them safe. Okay, we really need to jump into gender assumptions because this mm-hmm. topic brought so much up for me about all all the innuendo, mm-hmm. all the language we've come to use that sounds playful. We're supposed to engage in it like it's funny, like we like it, mm-hmm. and so much of it is gendered. Oh yeah, what is expected of the role? of cis females, it's gendered people of yeah. just, there's just some, the, the binary piece, I don't know. I mean, that's in and of itself, but I just yeah. think that there's so much language we have hijacked and made sexual mm-hmm. with a divisive nature of who's allowed to experience something and it's good and who's allowed to experience something and it's bad or who's in charge of it and who is receiving it. Who has yes. the say and who doesn't have the say? Yes. And 
man, when I was thinking through that, it was like this flood of analogies and things that came up. Then, like, oh, it's so toxic when you become aware of it. Mm-hmm. But when you don't real, if you don't stop to think about some of these, these are things we have heard since we were three, four, five years old. And unless we actually rethink that, so yes. when we were naming this as this is rethinking consent, this came up for me. I was like, mm-hmm. we have to rethink the small things. Like, I don't want to overkill, but I want people to actually recognize the potential harm in setting up this platform of expectation by jokes we tell and the way we divide people's roles in this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we we joke, but it's at the expense of someone else. Yeah, which causes that's harm, the thing. which causes harm, which causes shame. And yep. yeah, gender gender assumptions. Whew, this has become a really interesting thing, especially as I I talk to a lot of or, or I, I speak to families with young young children, my my friends with young children, um, and the language that we grew up with. It makes me think about when I was younger, Karen. If someone was you know picking on me or bullying me, not not bullying me, but providing like quite a lot of attention. Um, snapping a bra strap or doing something, it was because he liked me. Yep. And later, and I remember that very distinctly. That was a very common thing that I was told, well, he just likes you. And it made me now as an adult and now knowing what I know, how disappointed uh, it makes me feel in the sense that what it, what it could have potentially taught me that, yeah, um, you know, if, if I'm not getting, or if it's unwanted attention, or if it's not the attention or affection that I would like to receive and how I would like to receive it, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not going to get that, then is there something wrong with me? Or there's so, it's so fraught with, um, power mm-hmm. dynamics. And like you said, who should be, who should be receiving? It's so limiting. That's the word. It is so okay. limiting yeah. for all of us. Um, some of so like jumping into some of those kind of like those conversations, um, women are generally going to be expected to be passive gatekeepers um, of the sexual activity, and men are expected to be the initiators. Women should play hard to get; they should that's be pursued. Oh my goodness! Yep, you know, and men that's all, should chase that's after the one them. That's the first came up for me. I was like. Oh, that is so ingrained mm-hmm. of it's your job to come get me like yeah. you're right. And in, in, in just in the dating world, who asks who, who's the chivalrous one, who's the one who pays, who's the, in yes. every, just this trickle mm-hmm. down of, and it's supposed to be good. Like it's the yeah. equation of when that's happening, they're treating you right. Like, yes. and who's affirming right? value. Who's affirming your value? Yeah, it, it's taking away the 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 concept, or it's not empowering. I mean, I'm yeah. gonna just be very gender normative yeah. right now, but it's not empowering young women to yeah. affirm their own value. It is saying if you are not picked, if you are not pursued, if you then there's something, yeah, of lesser value of less you, less desirable, and, and less yeah. desirable, and. I know if we were to take this into a different conversation, that power dynamics are a whole other conversation for adults. Um, But when we are talking to young children and we don't realize um, the innuendos that they learn, Mm -hmm. I think about, um, and I'm sure Karen, this was something for you, but it was like the analogies of baseball. Like if you were going to third Mm -hmm. base or if you were, 
you know, oh, yeah. hitting for the other team. And uh-huh. um, I, I think about like, what was this trying to imply? It implies, mm-hmm. it implies so many things. It implies that there is two people against one another, mm-hmm. playing Conquering. against one another. Right. It is about someone defending and someone being the Attacking, offender. Kind of. Yes. yes. Right. About, right. And so if you're going to first or you're going to second, it also is so linear. So it's not, it's not a comprehensive look for young people to think that, well, if you're going to do manual stimulation, then the next thing is obviously going to be, you know, penis and that's vagina. Right. Depth of intimacy. It, yeah, that's right. Yes. Se- and then you can't go back. Yeah. Yes. Right. And that those experiences happen in a very specific order. And if they don't, for whatever reason, that's, that's not, I'm using air quotes, yep. normal. Um, yes. So I have some problems with, I have a lot of problems with this analogy. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, when you have that concept of someone winning, winning, when you have the concept of um, in this situation, if women are the other team, um, that they're losing something, that yeah. they are, they're giving something up. You get, you're giving up a base or you're giving up a mm-hmm. point or um, so that in itself becomes kind of fraught when you use examples like hitting for the other team, you know, as a, as an analogy of your orientation, like what is that yep. also saying about the acceptance of people um, who have diverse orientation. It, and it's just not a good example. It's just, it's, and we don't, we'd say it with such innocence, I think in a lot of ways where we're just trying, we're just trying to make sense of something, but it's, Mm -hmm. this is not making sense of something in its entirety anymore. And I'd love to get rid of it. I just want to, I just want to get rid of the locker room talk and I want to get rid of the sports analogies as it relates to this. When we talk about consent, there is no consent uh, it makes me sound like Tom Hanks saying there's no crying in baseball. There's no consent in baseball, <laughs> you yeah. know, <Yeah>. but <laughs> one thing that I do love, um, an analogy that I do love. So if we're thinking to ourselves, like, why doesn't this work? And how am I going to talk to my children in a way that it, it does work? Um, there is, there's consent in pizza, Karen. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I always lead this. Why is sex like pizza? Yeah. Most of us like pizza. Like most of us most like of pizza, us. right? Um, so I love to use this example. We do this a lot um, in in the classrooms, and um, okay. what I love about it is just taking the analogy of pizza. So sometimes we'll actually have little construction um, pizza, but you're going to order pizza at home at some point in time with your child. So there's always this opportunity to kind of share this. Pizza, everyone, most everyone likes pizza. Occasionally, some people don't like pizza. That's true. Yeah. That's true with sex. Um, yeah. When we're talking about wanting to have pizza, we're going to decide, are we having pizza alone or are we having pizza with other people? If we're having pizza alone, you you get to decide where you're going to have it and from where you're going to have it. And you're going to get to decide what toppings are on it. You get to decide if you want to eat the whole thing. If you want to eat a couple pieces, you get to decide what is a pleasurable what? pizza pleasurable pizza experience for you. Okay. So it also encompasses the idea that sexuality isn't just with another person. Um, it, it, it allows for that conversation around, around pleasure, which is important and something that we often avoid when we're having conversations around consent, because ultimately this is an experience that we want to enjoy and we want to enjoy it in the way that we feel most comfortable and that we feel most safe. So bringing it back to pizza, if you are going to have pizza alone, it's a different process of exploration of pizza toppings or what you want to try that night. Maybe you love having the same thing every single Friday night. Maybe you're a little bit, you know, you're a little bit more 
you know, wild with what you want to try and you're more exploratory. Some people are, are not, they just, they know what they like and that's what they're going to have. But when you're going to share pizza with another person, there is consent. So I'm going to say, you know, Karen, do you want to go get some pizza? Where would we like to order that pizza from? What kind of things do you like on your pizza? So you might start making those decisions around, do you like pineapple? You know, so if you, you can all think about something, you know, that is a sexual innuendo for pineapple, Yes, but not everybody likes pineapple. It's very divisive. You know, you might be like, heck no, I don't want pineapple. We always default to what someone doesn't want. So we might say, okay, you don't like pizza or you don't like pizza with pineapple. What about mushrooms? So the pizza that you and I- Denominators. Yes. And you would- yeah. You would always ask the other person. I would never order a pizza and just assume that I know what you like. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would not. Um, so it is, it's talking about what we want to have. And if you and I are meeting every single Friday to order the same pizza, well, yes, maybe we're ordering the same pizza, but yeah. maybe that night they have a special and we want to try it. I would still consent and ask you, you know, Karen, yeah. what do you think about not trying assume. the same pizza? Mm-hmm. I would never assume. Um the thing I love about the pizza analogy too, is that it allows us to, to talk about stopping at any point in time. Like you, you don't need to eat the pizza. If it comes to the door, you can decide that you actually don't feel like pizza anymore. Changed and my your, mind. Changed yeah. your mind. And your partner can continue to eat the pizza without you. Or maybe you only want to have one slice. Um, so you would still ask the person, do you want that last slice or should I? So you're still checking in with pleasure and desire and those kinds of concepts. So I love that about that analogy. Um, It's also going to look different. So we get an opportunity to say the pizza that I order with you is going to be different than the pizza that I order with somebody else. Exactly. Um, And there's just so much more diversity. It is inclusive. You can use this analogy. um, And there's, there's no talk about gender. So even you and I just talking about sharing pizza, there's, there's nothing explicit or expressed about the value of who you're having pizza with. So it's a much more um, inclusive analogy. I think it's a lot more easy for people to grasp and there's no winners and losers. Everyone is, everyone is getting a little something that they like. And really at the end of the day, that's, that's human sexuality is making sure that you are getting what you like uh, the amount that you like in the way that you like it and in a safe way, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I love the pizza analogy. Okay. No more baseball. <laughs> no more baseball pizza. pizza. And Order I, yourselves I a pizza tonight, people. <laughs> <laughs> start, start oh. that conversation. It's so good. It's so good it on, in so many ways. And yeah. just even when you started talking about that analogy, I'm like, yeah, cause if somebody doesn't like pizza, I don't like get all mad at them. No, <laughs> I'm not offended. You're allowed to not like pizza. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's so okay. Also, I think in the mm-hmm. process of consent, I think this about any boundaries we set that we sometimes think that that is only self-preserving or only other preserving. It's yeah. only about one person's needs. And yes. it's so not when we set no. healthy boundaries, it's articulating the line that we, that sits it sits around us and what protects mm-hmm. us and our connection and what's going to yeah. work for us. And 
And that I think we often feel like, well, if I set a line or I say no, that's disrespecting that it's at the expense of somebody else's needs. I'm like, no, they're not going to get from you that good experience. Yeah. If you are unable to also own what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. And right? you're also going to learn all that permission. you 100%. Yeah. You might not want to have pizza with that person again. You know, yeah. you might just like pizza that's so different. Like you said, the analogy works in so many ways of Af- just affirming. It affirms gender. It affirms identity. It affirms choice. It affirms change, pleasure. Yes. Yes. In so yeah. many ways. And that's where I would love to see a shift go with consent and why I tell people that it's not just an absence of no, it needs to be an express. Yes. If you're having pizza with me, I want you to love the pizza that we're going to have, the experience we're going to have together and that it's enjoyable for you. That moving forward is what I think ultimately we do hope for our children and for, you know, our families as we move forward without having the quirks and quirks of talking about pleasure to our, to our own preferences. So um, I just think it's a really fantastic tool. It's a really great, Mm. it's a really great way to probably even speak to adults about consent as well. Sure is. (laughs) Sure is. Just a complete reframe. I'm going to be talking a lot about pizza in the coming weeks. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So consent is not just the absence of no, it's the enthusiastic yes. Mm -hmm. And building these conversations at every level of development and talk about pizza. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I love consent. (laughs) I love consent. This goes way further into it than I did in the other episode. So yeah, if you were, if if any listeners were highly disappointed in that one, then this is the one that I hope filled in some gaps for you. Okay. We're log off and I'm going to see you back here in a week for episode three. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.